If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Save big money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Florio, F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. Simsisms. Sleeping with myself. I would have a hard time sleeping with myself, I guess, if I let Brett Maher be the kicker and then he misses a big field goal late third, fourth quarter. And I go, oh, all the signs were there. I don't know why I let this happen. Simsisms. Uh, that was one that we missed at the time. It was. Or if I did, I just I just passed right by it. So uh, we can add another one to the list. Sleeping with myself. The Jets and the Packers sleeping with the enemy, so to speak, <laughs> as they try to work out this deal. It's been six weeks now, six weeks since we first caught wind. It was six weeks ago today that Trey Wingo reported that Jets to the Packers is done. And it's still not done, but he still took a victory lap <laughs> five weeks and five days ago. That still makes no sense. It's not done, Trey. It's six weeks later and it's still not done. Why did you take a victory lap? But it is I think going to be done. You know, it drives me crazy. And and I wrestled with this yesterday. We need to have stuff to write about. And sometimes there just isn't a lot going on. So some in the NFL media will, you know, write about stuff that really isn't a story, like the possibility of the 49ers. Just because Tiki Barber says it on radio, it becomes a story. Right. Craig Carton says something, it becomes a story. 49ers get The 49ers are not getting in this. No, they're and not. Before you ever even have any conversation about any other team, the first step is Aaron Rodgers has to rescind his intention that he's playing for the Jets. Because I don't care that he doesn't have a no-trade clause. No one is trading for this guy if he doesn't want to go there. So as long as his intention is to play for the Jets, no one else need bother apply for a potential trade for Aaron Rodgers. No. And thank God Ian Rappaport reported yesterday that the Jets and the Packers have re-engaged in trade talks so we can stop with the 49ers to trade for Aaron Rodgers nonsense. And I know two years ago it wasn't nonsense. That's what started the whole thing the day before the draft. 49ers made one last call, and it got out, and it kicked up the dust the whole day of the draft that Aaron Rodgers wants out. Here we are. He's still there. But it's the Jets that are going to pun intended, land this plane probably Friday night, quite possibly when one of their two consecutive second-round picks, Chris, is on the clock. That's when this deal gets done. Yeah, I, you know, I, I would think so. I would. Yeah, the 49er talk is nonsense. You know, again, the, it's, it's Jets or nothing. You know, teams are too far down the road with their salary cap, the direction of their football team. I mean, yeah, I'm sure maybe there's a team out there that maybe we could logically say could maybe do it. But uh, it's Jets, like you talked about. And, yeah, what those final details are, and we've talked about it, we've heard about it, whether it's that, you know, he plays second year and what is the compensation if he does play two years either way. If I'm the Packers, though, and you know this trade's going to go down, I'm going to bring up a point we talked about two weeks ago, Mike. Why wouldn't you want those picks 
why wouldn't you want those picks on Thursday night? You know, I, I know it's basically the same thing. It's a deadline, but I'd, I would still want to go, wait, I'd like to know on Thursday night in the first round because we uh, picked number 16 that I have picked 42, 43, and 45 in case I want to move up. But what if, what if Jalen Carter's on the board and they want to go get him or something at number eight or nine, whatever. That, that's all I'm saying. That's just the one interesting part. But uh, it's glad, good to hear that, you know, talks have reignited. And I expect it to happen like you. And I'm going to be interested to see what the compensation is. And it's a great point. It's a great point. But. I know. To get that deal done yes. Thursday night, you may have to give a little bit. Because from the Jets standpoint, they don't care. The window doesn't close on the trade being done during the 2023 draft until those picks consecutively, 42 and 43, are both used. Right. So that's when. And, and that's the key in any negotiation. The two sides have to have a mutual understanding as to when Chariot becomes Pumpkin. Chariot becomes Pumpkin when pick 43 is turned in. That's when it's over. And they have to go back and reconfigure. They have to set a new deadline because 2023 draft picks are no longer in play. Unless they would then make it a third-round pick, which only increases what the Jets would have to give up in 2024. The one thing they agree on, second-round pick for 2023. The thing they're fighting about is what do the Packers get in 2024. And the back end of that, potentially, what goes back to the Jets in 25 if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play in 24. And I suggested this over the weekend. And there's a certain simplicity in it that probably means it won't be used. The Packers are so intent on being able to puff out their chest and say they got a first-round pick in 2024. And the discussion has been along the lines of, well, it'll be a lower pick, and it goes up depending upon factors. And that's exactly what the Brett Favre trade was between, wait for it, the Packers and the Jets 15 years ago. Now, the trade happened after the 2008 draft, so it's not like there could be 08 picks in there, but it was a formula. It was a four, they become a three, could become a two, could become a one, and it stuck at three because they didn't make the playoffs. So it went from four to three. They could do a schedule like that, a formula like that, for next year. And the Packers ultimately wanted to max out at a one. How about this? If the Packers are so intent on being able to tell the world they got a first-round pick, why don't they make it a first-round pick that goes down? It's a first-round pick unless the Jets fail to win a postseason game. Then it becomes a second-round pick. Unless Aaron Rodgers fails to play in at least 14 and a half games. Then it becomes a third-round pick. I mean, there's a way to give them a first-round pick for now. And then have a drop. Oh, or if he retires before April 1 of 2024, then it drops. I mean, there are ways you can create sure. a formula that starts at a one and then goes down. So at least the Packers can say to the world, we got a first round pick. And, you know, by next year, it may not be a first round pick, but we get to say for now, we got a first round pick. And if that's what they're trying to do to save some face or or just feel better about themselves or stick it there on Rodgers or whatever, that's a way to get to the same place where the Jets have protection and that pick can go down. I, I, I hear you there. I don't think that's a crazy thought. You've said it before. I, I can get behind that. So we're talking about you trade the two twos to get him for this year. And then for one, two, one, Not just both. one, two. One. Okay. Just one. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to just trade the one, two and then have the provisional, you know, whatever you're saying, fourth round, if you don't make a playoffs, you know, third round. If make you, it a first rounder. Right. Make it a first the other rounder way? and drop it down. Right. Is there value? I haven't really thought about this. And, and is there value in which way to do it, whether it's a third rounder and then go up or a first rounder and go? Doesn't matter. Okay. You don't think it really matters? All right. I'm just trying to it, think it, if there's It doesn't matter because you're, st you're still tying up. You're still tying up multiple picks. Yeah. That's That's the reason why teams don't like to do it because – if you have a formula that goes four, maybe three, maybe two, maybe one, you've you've tied up all four of those picks and you can't trade them at that point. Well, you can, but what happens is if it's a four, then a three, then a two, then a one, and the Jets would trade the four, then automatically the floor becomes a three. three if that right. four is not there anymore. So yeah. so it's either way, whether it goes up or whether it goes down, every pick that is part of that formula is basically off limits if the Jets want to do other trades. And I think that's one reason to push back against that if you're the Jets. But there's going to be there's got to be conditions here. 
it would be foolish for the Jets to just hand over next year's first round pick. And I think that would be the thing that causes the Jets to say, we're not doing it. And if, and look, the clock strikes 12 on Friday night when those back-to-back Jets picks are on the clock. And all that the deadline means is that's when the two sides move to their bottom line. That's when we find out, or at least they find out among each other, where they're going to draw the line in the sand. And they both hope that, you know, I use the Venn diagram example all the time. I don't even know if they teach that in school anymore. But I remember when I was in math class when I was a kid, the Venn diagram shows you different ways that the two circles interact. All those two circles have to do is kiss. What if, they, what if they're apart when we get to proverbial midnight, threat level midnight? What if they're apart? Then it all moves forward, and then they got to figure it out at some other point. they got to come up with another deadline. After June 1, where the Packers get some cap relief if they trade him, start a training camp, week one. I mean, this thing's happening before week one. Barring a change of intention by Aaron Rodgers, it's happening before week one. And to the extent that there's a formula in there that helps the Packers based on what the Jets do this year, the sooner they get him on yeah, the Jets, the better that is. If that formula is driven by success, the better chance you have of getting more for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. No, that's where, you know, again, I, I would think that the Green Bay would, if they want to go down that road, would have some urgency. Yeah, again, if you're waiting till late August, I'm, I'm the Jets, it's almost like, well, gosh, forget it. I don't want to give you anything or we're going we're gonna to take away a little. You've lessened our chances of being good here. The value has gone down. So there is a sweet spot or a time here that it needs to be done to uphold the, you know, the value of what you were talking about. So I guess what I'm if it was just one year, you think just one second rounder is going to get that done? You know, that that's where I wasn't sure about the total compensation. No. I thought maybe they might need no. more. Yeah. You think it's going to be the second rounder and something else? Yeah. The fight is what's the something else. Yeah. And then what's the protection for the Jets if it's just one year? Because there's been different reports that that whole before I went into the the locked closet for three days. I was 90% retired. I still think that's myth-making by Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's already told you not to listen to the crap that I say, so let me give you some more crap that you can ponder. (laughs) I think this whole idea that he was 90% leaning toward retirement was part of his not-so-subtle message to the Packers, F around and find out. Like, if if you hadn't changed your position that the the light is on and the door is open and you're welcoming me back. And then all of a sudden I start to get a different vibe. That's when my 90% went to 0% and I decide I'm going to play this year just to stick it to you. I don't believe he was 90% retired. I choose to just think that that's part of an effort by Aaron Rodgers to make the story seem more entertaining, more interesting, and more problematic for the Packers. But that freaked out Woody Johnson, supposedly, that he's 90% leaning toward retirement, so they want protection against him only playing one year. And look, whether he, whether he meant it or not, whether he said it or not, and he did say it, but whether he's truly acting on it, we know he's in the year-to-year phase of his life. And if he goes to New York this year and it doesn't work out, well, he will retire. There's got to be something that happens this year that is good enough that makes him want to do it again. Right. And a lot of that's up to the Jets, but they want to be protected against whatever they give up to the Packers against the possibility that it all is something that doesn't go well. And Aaron Rodgers decides after taking ayahuasca or going back into a dark closet next year that he is going to retire. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I do. You know, I, I think that's, you know, more delicate, actually, that side of the story than the Jet, you know, the Packers wanting protection or anything like that. You know, the Jets, if they get Aaron Rodgers the 2024 season and, you know, it, it's all good and everything else. And they went to the playoffs last year, you know, in 2023, whatever. They'll be happy to give away, you know, another high roundish type of pick for Aaron Rodgers. It means it was a success story. They're they're in a spot where, you know, okay, so be it. So, uh, but yeah, it's the other side of that story that's, you know, dicey too. Uh, yeah, the Jets are they're they're taking a gamble on a guy that could play one year and they're going to pay him a ton of money and they're right back in the boat of wait our quarterback situation is dicey with Zach Wilson and whoever else might be on our football team so I get it uh, hopefully it all comes to a head this Thursday or Friday night. There's a lot of people who don't follow the NFL as closely as we do as closely as those of you out there who are watching or listening do and they're going to be very surprised. 
come Friday night if this trade happens during the draft. It's good for ratings, good for business, good for everyone if it happens during the draft. But those of us who pay attention should go ahead and have our stories ready to publish when it happens on Friday night or late Friday afternoon. At some point on Friday, I expect the trade to happen. If it doesn't, that's the surprise. If it doesn't, that's when this thing potentially gets more interesting because at some point you have to entertain the possibility of Aaron Rodgers changing his intention. And he could word salad his way around it if he wants to. He could say it's just not meant to be. It's been seven weeks now. These two teams can't figure it out. Maybe that's a message to me that I've I'm not meant to go there, and maybe he could play hardball with the Packers and say I'm going to stay in Green Bay, or maybe he gets traded somewhere else. There could be some spots that are still in need of a quarterback once the draft comes and goes. So his intention could change. I think it's hard for it to ha- – I, I just – right now it would be hard for him to do it, Chris, but if they don't trade him during the draft, it becomes a little bit easier for him to change his intention because I think if it doesn't happen by Friday night, the – the learned Jets fans who understand what's happening and where it's all pointing. If it doesn't happen, the air comes out of the balloon a little bit, and maybe they're less upset and less stunned if Aaron Rodgers would change his intention in the aftermath of the draft. I don't, I don't think he will. I, I still know. don't think he will. Yeah. But I think if he's not traded by Friday night, that's when you kind of reshuffle the cards and maybe see where we are. Man, they reshuffle the cards. I don't know where the hell you'd be, and they better watch out because Jet fans are going to be going down the Jersey Turnpike and then and, and with pitchforks <laughs> and and torches looking for Aaron Rodgers and on a march to go get him. Uh, and people will go crazy up here. The Jets fans want it to happen. It's so far down the road, and again, there's nothing else to. For, for them to, to believe in right now as far as what can work at the quarterback situation. So, I know. I mean, you know, where would they go if they were to do that? I know this is total spitballing. They're going to go there. Maybe that's the best thing for Lamar Jackson is the Jets to, to mess up this whole thing with, with Aaron Rodgers and make them so desperate that it creates a Cleveland Brown situation like it did with Deshaun Watson. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there, but we both expect it to Great happen. Point. And I think Great it's going to happen. Yeah, I know. I know. But that, that's a great point. Yeah. That, that is a, an unintended but very beneficial for Lamar Jackson consequence. If this would fall apart, then all of a sudden, Woody Johnson has an urgency to fix it, to, to get those folks that right. are ready to storm the castle to go home, and that's one way to do it. And that's one of the ingredients in the desperation that can cause someone to do it. One more point I want to make, though, circling back to this, yeah. this 49ers talk that won't go away. Point that I made yesterday. The only people we ever hear it from are members of the New York media. Exactly. That's it. If we would, if, because, because what are they trying to do? Yeah. Somebody's trying to put pressure on the Jets to do it. So if anyone from the Packers is, to, it's either people from the Packers are deliberately targeting New York media figures to get this out there, or the New York media figures know what sells. And what sells is getting the Jets fans to panic about the possibility they're not going to get Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that could be both so there. Until. Yeah. Something like that would come from the Packers, the 49ers media, you know, Green Bay media, San Francisco media, national media. I, I'm, it's like, don't waste your time reading that crap. <laughs> don't waste your time even considering the possibility of Aaron Rodgers going to the 49ers or anywhere else. It's the Jets. And if it's not the Jets, see, that, what do you root for? I root for a great story. A great story would be this trade doesn't happen Friday night. I fully expect the trade to happen Friday night. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I hope so. I wouldn't even be shocked, you know, if it did happen Thursday night. And if it did happen Thursday night, I'd go, ooh, watch out. Green Bay might be trying to make some moves, you know, tonight from 15 to make a move either way. But, yeah, I think you said it. The deadline's Friday night. I could see maybe it happened Thursday night. I hope it does happen and we can just get on with this situation and be talking about it next week and be done with it for a while. And the one last thing to keep in mind, Packers don't have an owner, Jets do. Somebody could blink this week, and it could be, could be Woody that just says to Joe Douglas or Robert Sala or both, I'm sick of this. What are we talking about here? What's the difference here? Come on. Yeah, come on. Right. Let's, just get, let's, just, let's have this done before we go to the draft so our fans can focus on the draft, so they can focus on booing whoever we take in the draft <laughs> instead of booing us for not getting Aaron Rodgers. So there's still a possibility that someone just throws their hands in the air and gets it done this week now that they're reengaged. But either way, fully expect 
by the time we do this show next Monday, we'll be talking about Aaron Rodgers officially as a member of the New York Jets. Let's take a break. When we return, a story that came out of nowhere on Friday that suggests to me there's plenty more stories like it floating around for the NFL and its 32-member teams. We'll get you up to speed on what happened with the Lions and with one member of the Commanders on Friday with Piet Tulak continues right after this. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. This was a stunner on Friday, late morning. The NFL suspends Lions receiver Jamison Williams and others for violating the league's gambling policy. Now, Williams suspended only six games because what he did, Chris, was bet on non-NFL events from an NFL facility. There are others, including C.J. Moore, who just re-signed with the Lions last month, suspended for a year and then cut by the Lions for betting on NFL games. And this is the Calvin Ridley thing. Like, it's stupid when the first guy does it. It's inexcusable when the second guy does it. But it speaks to the fact that a lot of guys who play in the NFL pay no attention. They don't. To the NFL. That's right. They're not watching this show. Exactly. They're not reading PFT. They're not listening to podcasts. They have other things that they do. They have supreme physical talents, and they're young, and they're not interested in following the sport. So they're not aware what happened with Calvin Ridley. But when you see that many guys from one team, it, it, it's clear that the message isn't getting through when they have these in-house seminars. And I'm told that – yeah, because somebody said to me, well, they just tuck this information in with all the other stuff like domestic violence and personal conduct policy, and, you know, it gets lost in the shuffle. I'm told that teams do a separate gambling seminar where they, they tell these guys yeah. as clearly as they can what they can and can't do. Well, to have that many Lions get caught, it tells me that something has short-circuited in Detroit, or you wouldn't have five guys who ended up getting suspended four guys I think who ended up getting suspended for violating the gambling policy and you know the NFL is making it clear and they continue to make it clear they're not messing around with it if you violate it you're done yeah it's it's I mean I'm kind of shocked because of what you said I mean you 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 said it right you know I think you know first off that not everybody in the locker room is obsessed with like paying attention to the NFL news and everything that's going on in the league there's a definitely a faction of the locker room that hey they just play football they like playing it you know, they kind of know what's going on in the league, but they don't really know, right? You know, so there's that aspect. But with this type of thing, Matt, my experience as a player or, you know, even knowing people in the league now and being around some training camps, like this is the type of thing that it, it's it's unavoidable if you're on a football team in training camp. Like definitely, I'd have a hard time thinking that the Lions and every other football team – Yes, there wasn't a, hey, you know, before we have our 7 o'clock team meeting tonight, everybody's got to be in there at 6.15 because we're going to have a 45-minute gambling seminar. It's We have to be there. It's part of the league rules. And then you're going to see, you know, they're going to give you six, seven minutes on Calvin Ridley and what he did and why he messed up and why he got suspended. So, I mean, they throw it in your face with this type of stuff. That's where I'm like, man, as a player – I'd have a hard time thinking they didn't realize what was going down here. I mean, or at least at one point didn't have it, you know, taught to them in, in one of these you know, meetings or whatever else that's run by a football team. That's where I was shocked, Mike, more than anything. Well, and, you know, whether it's just hubris 
or inability to understand that when you use this thing, they have different ways to track it, and the sports books are giving the information to the NFL. That's just the way it is. I know. Like they the think NFL they were getting away with know. it, right? Like you're, that's what I was yeah, like. I think they. Yeah. I think they. I think they thought that no one was going to know. I right. don't think they understand. And I try to put myself back in that age. Yeah. And if I wasn't paying attention to Calvin Ridley, if I wasn't paying attention to the NFL, I. I don't know. Would I have been scared that somebody's going to find out? These guys apparently weren't scared that somebody was going to find out, and they found out. But here's what it tells me. And there were four lines. There was one member of the commanders who also was suspended for a full year. It tells me that the league is willing to act when the, the fruit falls off the tree right into their shoe. What are they doing to affirmatively investigate other potential violations. How much of it's proactive and how much of it is we've got DraftKings or FanDuel or whoever we partner with sharing this information with us so we can very easily go out and say to the world we're enforcing our policy. And if you do that, it provides cover for whatever you're not doing if you've got people in the league office who may be violating the policy. And the policy applies to everyone in the league, league office, NFL Network, NFL Media. And somebody told me that people quietly get fired on a fairly regular basis for violating the gambling policy. It just doesn't become a headline. They don't have to tell the world. You know, if a player gets suspended, it's going to be somewhat conspicuous if he's not there on Sunday. For anybody else, they just disappear and we don't know why. But I also have heard that when you consider how broad the rule is, including Chris, you can't participate in a season-long fantasy football league that pays out more than $250. There are people who work for the league who are violating that. Right. And the league either hasn't gotten around to investigating or the information hasn't fallen into their laps or they just they just don't care. Yeah, but right. The, these, these suspensions provide valuable cover to whatever the league may or may not be doing when it comes to affirmatively investigating. That's an important point because there may be other issues out there far more complicated than kid just didn't realize if he used his phone to drop, you know, 500 bucks on a five-team parlay, it was going to get back to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, again, there, there's there's a lot in, that goes into that, and I'm sure that maybe some of these players thought, wait, if, you know, it's not football – or whatever else, it should be okay. I don't know what they lost the messaging in translation. You know, I'm with you. I'd like to think there's a time in my life that I would think that the NFL was monitoring monitoring this stuff all the time. Like 20 years ago, in my brain, I would be like, oh yeah, they got an office in 345, and they're they're monitoring everything going on in the world. But what I've realized over the last 10 to 15 years is that, no, it's not quite like that. And they don't want to spend money on stuff like that. And I tend to think that, yes, it only is going to happen when it falls in their lap. You know, and whether it's yeah one of the gambling companies, whatever, going, hey, wait, we got, you know, activity from players in the NFL. Here it goes. Okay, now we have to act. And that's what they do. But I don't know if they're actively researching this and staying on top of it. I doubt it. That costs money. And, you know, the NFL likes money. They don't like to give it to anybody. So I, I don't think that's happening. And there are separate issues that can arise here. Now, look, the NFL was very clear in its announcement on Friday that there was no threat to the integrity of the game. That's that's the, the nightmare scenario for the league, that there would be a scandal that arises where somebody is involved in point shaving. And we know that's happened in other sports. The thinking is it would be very hard to do it in the NFL. There was a great documentary, the first episode ever from Frontline, the PBS show that debuted in 1983, spent the whole hour talking about gambling connections of the NFL. And it's amazing to watch it now. But the talk is you'd have to get to a quarterback or officials or coaches in order to really try to affect the outcome of a game. But beyond that, beyond that, material non-public information, it's one of the chapters in Playmakers, And I know that there are people in the union who are concerned about it, and they're concerned that the NFL isn't concerned enough about it. Private information, inside information, insider trading type stuff. 
What's your game plan for Sunday? How much is the running back going to get the ball? What's your scripted first 15 plays? How is that information protected? Who on the sidelines is maybe making hand gestures to people now that in-game betting is going to be more and more popular? Runner or pass? Who knows that it's going to be a runner or pass? Who's giving a signal to someone in the stands or someone who's watching at home that's able to lock in a bet? Now, the, the technology still makes it difficult to make a bet if you're watching on TV. If you're, if you're at the stadium, you can pick up on hand signals or whatever someone may be doing. Those are all things the NFL needs to be worried about, Chris, and I just wonder what they're doing to protect information. It's one thing to nail the guys that you catch red-handed betting on football or betting at NFL facilities on non-NFL games. What are you doing to protect that information that can be used by those who are, who are placing bets beyond the NFL universe. Yeah, no, I, I know that's, that's going to be the ongoing struggle of the NFL as powerful as we know, you know, that world is the gambling world, all the money, all the cash. There's, there's influence there to be had. Um, you know, and, and hopefully they can do their best to, to keep it separate. You know, but it, it's the hardest sport to tank. And to, to the point you just explained there. Yeah. You'd almost have to get to the quarterback or the coach or the referee. They're the only ones that are going to be able to affect the, the game enough and, and to know and, and to figure out the outcome. But hopefully we don't have those problems. And as we know, coaches are psycho. They're competitive. They want to win. Quarterbacks are like that. Referees, I don't know as much on a personal basis. But, you know, for the most part, coaches and quarterbacks I've been around, they, they're willing. They want to win at all costs. Uh, they'd be hard to get to, I guess is what I'm saying to saying there. I think you're right. I think you're right. But you know, like anyone else, money yeah, talks. And you I could know. have people who are jaded. Right. You could have people who feel like they're at the end of a lost season. You could have a f- people who feel like they're at the end of a lost career and they just want to make a little money on the way out the door because they can. You can't account for thousands of different personalities. I mean, think about it. All the different people connected to NFL teams and the NFL itself, there are just so many that – statistically, you're going to get somebody who is corrupt. You're going to get somebody who has a malignant personality. You're going to get somebody who is tempted to do something they shouldn't do. What safeguards do you have in place to catch that person before they do something that could bring down the entire operation? And I don't mean that facetiously. It could indeed in the right circumstance or for the NFL, the wrong circumstance. Let's take a break. When we return, could the Raiders draft a quarterback, even though they have Jimmy Garoppolo as their starter? And we'll look at other needs for the teams at the AFC West. When this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Thanks, Brock. Jimmy Garoppolo. Does that, you know, lessen any urgency that you might have at the top of the draft to bring in a quarterback? Not necessarily. Um, I think that, you know, anytime you can find a young player at that position that's going to have an impact on your team, you have to keep an open mind to that. Of course, we're excited to have Jimmy, and having Jimmy um, does supply us with a a very high-quality starting player at the position, and so um, we feel comfortable with that. But I think to close that door, you know, and just say that that's not something you would do because of X, Y, and Z, um, that's not the business that we're in. Now you can look at that and say everybody's lying, as Chris Ballard told us at the outset of the program. But the reality is these contracts say everything. And when Jimmy Garoppolo signs a contract that pays him in the low 20 millions per year, that says the Raiders are in play for a long-term answer. And, Chris, every year there's going to be a Mitch Trubisky. There's going to be a Mike Glennon. There's going to be the guy who was signed in free agency to be the starter who finds out along with the rest of his six weeks later you may still be the starter. You may still be QB1. Remember when the Bears did that a couple years ago with Andy Dalton, QB1? Yeah. After Justin Fields or before Justin Fields. Either way, once Justin Fields came along, the clock was ticking on Andy Dalton. I think we have to take the Raiders seriously based upon the contract for Jimmy Garoppolo as a team that could be looking for a quarterback at number seven. No doubt about it. I mean, if the right one fell on their lap, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked by that by any stretch of the imagination there. I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, you know, Again, who that guy is, I don't know, right? But, yeah, that, that situation's still murky. You, you laid it out there the right way. We certainly don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is the long-term answer as far as, or as, as far as that's concerned. So we'll see. But, yeah, the Raiders are – they're in a big spot. What is it? Pick seven. They got some options there. You know, the quarterback conversation is very interesting. They certainly look like there's going to be some guys on the board there. 
You know, what do they want to do? You know, do they want to go to that quarterback route now? Do they want to, you know, use that number seven pick for an important part of their team that can help them out right away and, you know, try to win some games this year and then wait till next year to address quarterback? I don't, they got some different avenues as far as how they could approach this. Uh, be interesting to see. What do they have to get in this year's draft? I feel like there's a lot of different ways they can go. They're definitely – I mean, I, I think they're, they're the two positions that jump out to me more than any, okay, is you – I look at tackle and go, that certainly could be a possibility, and I think it could be a possibility at seven, right? And then there could also be a possibility at the top of the second round. The other one I look at is corner. Uh, they're depleted of real – like, this is a, the New England coaching staff. This is Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator, who was with Belichick and company all those years while they had Revis and Akib Tlaib in that group. They got nobody that can even, like, at all even pretend to be that type of guy right now in their football team. They don't have one corner that I look at to go, ooh, that guy's super talented, or ooh, that guy's an island shutdown corner. And that allow them to do some things there. So I think that's the one I probably look at more than anything. But both of those positions are are pretty, you know, uh, prevalent for for the Raiders. You know, they're in a spot where a great quarterback could fall into their laps. They're in a spot where Jalen Carter could fall into their laps. Yeah, um, they'll take it. Beef, beefs up the edge rushers if you if you have a guy like that in the middle who's effing the play up and attracting extra attention to make it easier for Max Crosby and Chandler Jones to do their job yeah exactly right uh, they need somebody in the interior there you know is there a guy at number eight you know if Jalen Carter's off the board that's really worth it there I don't know you know, I, I think when you get into the interior D lineman after Jalen Carter, you start to get into the kid from Pitt, Kalijah Kansi. I don't think he's their cup of tea. Uh, there's a Lucas Van Ness who, you know, some people look at to be the top, you know, 12 to 15-ish pick. And I hear other people that think he's towards the later part of the round. So, uh, yes, but, but uh, Jalen Carter, if he fell in their laps, again, I, I think most people view him as the best player in football. It's just whether you're comfortable, you know, with the person off the field. And what does it take to get the most out of him? Would the Patriot way do it? Would it be something more individualized? That's going to be part of the conundrum that teams have to sift through and the Raiders could feel comfortable yeah. if he's there at seven. They're in a great spot. They're in a great spot. They're going to get a great player. They are. And they'll have the Tight end, Mike. That'd be another one. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Tight end where they lose Darren Waller, right? That's just another one. There you go. Yeah, that could be something that could be punished. We know that they value tight end, you know, Josh McDaniels in that New England way. Uh, the Chiefs picking at number 31 because the Dolphins don't have a first-round pick this year. The round one will end with 31 selections. What do they need? this year more than anything else well you lose you know Wiley right they signed Jawan Taylor they lose Wiley and Orlando Brown at tackle so you certainly and you know they have Lucas Niang so they're not desperate there but O-line maybe another receiver to the group and then I think probably the thing I look at more than anything is an edge rusher you know and that's where you know at least at the end of the first round I think that could come into play there it certainly could. Maybe it comes in the second. But I think Ed Rusher would be the one I'd look at more than anything. You know, no Frank Clark. I know they got Karlaftis from last year, certainly. You know, but you look at their team overall, they're pretty good in a lot of spots. They really are. I think when you get into tackle and that extra defensive end, they signed Charles Omenu. Uh, I'm messing up his name. He's a Texas guy. He, went to, he was on the 49ers last year as a free agent. But I got to think they're looking to upgrade you know, that area right there, Mike. And, you know, receiver, I think, is an area where they need to at least get one. Get one, year, right? Yeah. As Patrick yeah. Mahomes continues through. Find a guy that you feel good about. He threw to Zay Flowers last week. He may be there at 31. Who knows? But somebody that you feel good about that you're going to have for four or five years, maybe sign to a second contract and continue to have this right. great connection with Patrick Mahomes. And you mentioned tight. You may, look, I don't know how much – how much does Travis Kelsey have left? I don't know. I How know. many more years does he want to do it? I, I don't you. know. Yeah. You got to be thinking about a replacement sure. for Travis Kelsey at some point. Yeah. No, no, no doubt. I mean, I, you know, again, he looks still awesome. I would think you still got at least two more good years before we start to think that. But yeah, they're one of those teams, Mike, that is, there's no desperate need anywhere. 
They can look down the road a little bit. But I think, you know, you hit it right with receiver. It's not desperate, but you'd like to add one to the group. And I don't know. Again, you know, guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba, right, Mike? Ohio State receiver. He's all over the place in the NFL. Some teams go, oh, no, he's definitely going in the top 15 or 16. Other teams go, no, I got a second-round grade on him, and he ran a high 4-5, or five, and he had a hamstring issue. So, like, guys like that, if they're sitting at the board at 31, I don't know, would the Chiefs take him? Would they take that big sucker from TCU, Quentin Johnson, you know, who we saw against Michigan run 70 yards down the sideline at 6-4? That certainly went through my brain a little bit there. But uh, I think ultimately, you know, we hit the two spots that are most important, that, that tackle position and that pass rusher position. Denver Broncos. I mentioned earlier that Sean Payton said he and George Payton were – this is always going to be an issue. Both Payton, Sean Payton, <laughs> George Payton. The two Paytons watched 1,200 plays from three players last week. I'd love to know who the three players are. What do the Broncos need this year? Oh, they're, they're, nit, they're nitpicky there as far as uh, – they must be really down to three guys that they can't figure out who they want more there than anything. Uh, I, I think, one, I still can look at – I always think of Sean Payton. He's always had good centers or always been a part of that. They're a team that needs a center, and I still think they're looking to improve their offensive line. That's part of the rebuilding of Russell Wilson. And you look where they are, right, and, and as far as, you know, where they're drafting, no first-round picks. Second round, there could be some guys there. I think the other one, too, Mike, is edge rusher, right? You know, you got Randy Gregory, who they paid a lot of money for. But, man, I wouldn't want to put all my eggs in that basket between injury history and off the field and everything there. And they traded away Bradley Chubb. I, I certainly look at, you know, edge or, or D-line as being something that could be addressed in Denver as well. One thing that Peyton talked about last week, and uh, we addressed it on Friday, his Parcells connection and what he's learned from Bill Parcells yeah. and the importance of offensive line. Now, they addressed it in free agency. I know. But I got the feeling, based upon his comments, that they ain't they're going to be looking to bolster the offensive line in the draft as well. Yeah, they're, they're, that's, that's what he is. You know, it, it's, Remember, Mike, I was at the Combine going, the first thing he'll do is sign all linemen. You know, I just I know him enough and following him all these years and the school of thought he came from. Oh, McGlinchey. Oh, Ben Powers, right? I think I'm even missing somebody else. Right off the bat, free agency starts. He gets that solidified. And, yes, I would think that he's going to be looking to even improve that group a little bit more. It's what the magic of him with the Saints and, and other places is he beats you up off uh, uh, up front and he can make a smaller quarterback feel a lot more comfortable behind a big offensive line. And the thing that he attributed to Parcells, the belief that offensive line sets the tone for the entire building. And you think of the great teams, and that's the thing. When the offensive line is great, we get so caught up in the quarterback, the receivers, the running back, because they're doing their things unfettered. It's because of that great offensive line. You have that great offensive line, five guys who play together week in and week out. That's one of the ingredients of having a great team. It definitely is. You know, you're never going to be mismatched by anybody. You're always going to have a chance to win the football game. You know, when they're awesome, it just gives your team a, hey, we're a physically dominant team and we do what we want. It, when they're awesome, the defense feels better. One, because they're practicing against that group every day and they're going, damn, we're sick of getting our butts kicked by them. we got to raise our game up. And then the other part is they're sitting over there going, damn, we're better because, look, they're dominating the line of scrimmage. We're keeping the time of possession. We're fresh over here. So it just filters through the whole building when you're good in that department. And, you know, again, there's no – the Eagles, the Niners, right? You know, the Chiefs make all these adjust adjustments. There's a reason three out of the four teams we saw in the final four had really, really good offensive lines. Chargers made it to the playoffs last year before they flamed out, blowing that big lead against the Jaguars. They have the 21st overall pick. What do the Chargers need this year? I, I, I look at them in defense, Mike, and I go, they're pretty good. Like, what do you really need? Maybe another big guy in the middle? Okay, so I'm not even going to, like, mess with defense here too much. That, that group there needs to just start to show up and, you know, Bosa healthy, J.C. Jackson healthy, and, and just start doing what they're paid for there. I got, I got hope for that. I think I go to the offense. Like, it's Herbert time, baby. Like we talk about, go all in, push them in. Let's make it so dangerous to play against Justin Herbert. So that's where I go. Wide receiver, tight end, offensive weapon, maybe your man Michael Mayer there, right? 
from Notre Dame, that would be awesome. What about Zay Flowers from Boston College? I mean, he's another guy. Either way, they can go there. Keenan Allen getting up there in age. Mike Williams, a big receiver. He's got a little injuries here and there. So I think those are the two things I look at, Mike, tight end receiver. You've got to have weapons around your franchise quarterback. Yeah. And Austin Eckler, clearly in his final year with the team. Now, they got him undrafted. So you don't have to use 21 overall on a running back. You just do what you did with Austin Eckler, and you find a new Austin Eckler once the draft is over. Easier said than done, but plenty of running backs out there. Let's take a break. Plenty of great quarterbacks this year. Hendon Hooker, very confident in how he compares to the other guys in this year's draft class. We'll talk about that next year on PFT Live. Here we go. This is top six quarterback prospects. Hendon Hooker at number three. Hendon Hooker would take issue with Chris's characterization. Hendon Hooker thinks he should be number one. He recently said that to USA Today, and I got no problem with that. Guy's got to be confident. He's got to have self-confidence in yourself, Chris, as you would say, and others, (laughs) since that phrase, theology, is catching on. But I can't help but wonder, alternate universe, he doesn't tear the ACL last year. How high is he if he's not coming off of that torn ACL? I, 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 he's up there. He's without, without a doubt, I think a top five pick. I, I, I really don't. I, again, Mike, I think the teams that, you know, you look at like, okay, it's Bryce Young's not our cup of tea, right? You, 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 you take, you know, those teams, man, gosh, I talked to a lot of teams Stroud and hooker were the two favorite quarterbacks on the board. As far as the film, again, I don't, I don't get into off the field, psychological testing, all that. You know, I got into it a little this year. I mean, this this past weekend, because I, of course, was talking to people around the NFL and, you know, C.J. Stroud, where is he going to land? And all that became a thing. So, you know, it got into it. But Hooker, I mean, when you want a guy that's a good decision maker and a pinpoint thrower from in the pocket and then, of course, can make special throws and then has better mobility than he's given it credit for? Yes, Mike, I think he'd be a top five quarterback. I still think there's a very good chance he's top 10, top 12, you know, because, again, he's a guy that I think the NFL values. Big, good arm, good release, throws in under pressure, and a good athlete and a good leader, and all those things usually mean success. There are plenty of things about the draft that are disconnected from the reality of the NFL. It's one of the things I've learned over the last 23 years. We get so caught up in all the incoming players, and we see the great things they did in college, which qualifies them for the the conversation regarding who the great players are going to be. And we focus on that. And more often than not, because we really don't know, people who do what we do for a living focus on the positives. You very rarely have somebody who goes out on a limb and says, this guy's just going to suck, and here's why. Because we just don't know. If you're going to err on one side or the other, err on the side of being positive about the guy. But the reality is, once the draft is over, once the dust settles, and we pay attention to maybe five names in 2023 during the football season of guys who were taken in that 250-plus person class – we are going to eventually have guys who work out, guys who don't work out. And one of the things I've been trying to say in this run-up to the draft, Chris, there are so many factors that go into it we just don't know. And factor number one is where you get drafted, how quickly they push you onto the field, what kind of support you get. Are you going to land with Andy Reid? Are you going to land with the exact opposite of Andy Reid? And you got no control over it. Bryce Young was great last week. I mean, he just submits. I mean, right. what can you do? Right. What can you do? I asked him, hey, if you got to choose, wouldn't you like to choose where you got to go? You went to USC and then you went to Alabama. And he kind of gave a knowing laugh. Well, you know, really not much of a choice. But that's a key factor for all these guys. Hendon Hooker's entire career may hinge on which team puts his name on the card on Thursday night. One path, superstar. Hall of Fame, Super Bowls. Other path, washed out of the league in three years. And, and yes, it can be that simple. The problem is we can't go back and start over and see how it would have worked out somewhere else. And I'm not suggesting Josh Rosen would have worked out somewhere else, but there are other guys who haven't worked out. Zach Wilson, if he hadn't played right away, maybe he'd be on path to being a better quarterback than he currently is. We just don't know and we'll never know. Yeah, the situation's huge, to your point. It's bigger in this sport than any other sport. It is. The support system's crucial. You could be the best player in the NFL at a lot of positions, and nobody will ever know if your team's crap. Just, it's, it's hard to stand out. 
It's hard to show your value as a guard if, you know, the tackle never blocks the right guy, the center never blocks the right guy. Now you look like a mess because you got their guys in your lane and whatever else. There's a million different issues. Oh, hey, I'm an awesome running back. Wait, but there's never a hole. So how awesome can I be? I mean, again, look, we just saw Saquon Barkley, a little hole this year, rockets up his butt everywhere. No holes two years ago. Wait, does, can he still run? What's going on? That's, that's, that's what's crazy about football, to your point. That's where it's brutal. It really is. And uh, situation is, is definitely, yeah, dic- it, it's dictated more in this sport than, than, hey, baseball, yeah, you still get to get up the bat by yourself and show everybody what you got. Basketball, it's still one-on-one on the wing, and we know one guy can make a team that go from, like, the 20th best to, whoa, I think they might win the championship this year. Just not that way in football, and that's where it's uh, really tough, uh, to your point. And I, I often think back, and I can't believe it's been 24 years, the 1999 quarterback draft yeah, with Tim Couch at number one, right. Don McNabb, Achilles, Achilles Smith. Smith. right. I mean, you take, you take those three guys, okay, Whichever one lands with Andy Reid, is that the guy that becomes the 10-year franchise quarterback and the other two wash out in Cleveland or Cincinnati? You just reshuffle those three like a shell game? Tim Couch, Philadelphia, 10-year franchise quarterback. Achilles Smith, Philadelphia, 10-year franchise quarterback. The other two that go to Cincinnati and Cleveland, it just doesn't work and they're out of the league. I, 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 that's the one example that keeps coming back to me. That that's the and and look, we didn't know that Andy Reid was going to become a great quarterback whisperer. That was his first year with the Eagles, but he did. He did. He had it. He was a great quarterback coach and is a great quarterback coach. Coucher Smith and there end up there in Philly. You know, and again, we just can't, you can't go back and redo it. But it's entirely possible it would have been a different outcome. Well, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I don't disagree. I mean, Donovan McNabb will tell you. Of course, he's going to no, it, it's me. And, of course, Donovan of McNabb course. had big-time talent. Yeah, we know that. I mean, he had big-time talent. But, you know, to your point, and I think, again, it's real, is, yes, the, the way he was brought up and taught and the support system and the creativity of the offense and formulating a pr- uh, plan to him that made sense at that time, yeah, all helped his development. Again, I mean – yeah, I mean, if Tom Brady went to the Chargers, do I think Tom Brady would be Tom Brady? Absolutely freaking not. No. No, I don't. You know, it was the perfect situation. And, uh, you know, and, and to your point, and, and this is back to Deion Sanders' point, you know, for the most part, mo- more, most people can't overcome that, right? There's a few special ones. Lawrence Taylor, Deion Sanders, right? Uh, Aaron Donald. It doesn't matter what team you put those guys on, you know about them. But that's a very num- like very numbered few or a few number. What am I saying that right in, in the history of the league? <laughs> number Why do you hate Tom Brady? Why you got to hate on Tom Brady on a Monday morning? I wasn't hating uh, by on By the way, him. Barry Sanders, prime example. Prime example of right. a guy. You don't block for him, he's still going to get his yards. Exactly. you got no lineman, he's still going to get right, his yards. Right, but then right. you also go, right. damn, what would he have looked like if you put him behind the 92 Cowboys O-line? What would it have been? How many yards would he have ran for behind that O-line? Uh, that's where you have fun with that conversation a little bit. We're going to have some fun when we return Monday's draft. The team's most likely to make us say, whoa, this weekend. We'll do that when PFD Live continues right after. Where, how does that thing even develop where you have this this divot in your in your chin that is aesthetically pleasing like Gaston from uh you know like Beauty and the Beast he had one of those all the macho cartoon guys always did growing you know growing up no one looks like Gaston talks in the press conference like Gaston (laughs) that hopefully I don't get a letter from Disney to Blatantly infringed oh. on their copyrights. Don't bail I hope me. So. Well, you just, don't bail me. We should probably take that down. Don't worry. Look you got a problem you. with Disney? That's just call Ron DeSantis. He'll hey. help you out. But yeah, that, hey, that, that's <laughs> an improvement. I, I, I look improvement. good. You that's look like true to form, right there. You, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. You got yeah. short sleeves on today. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, you're not far away from it. But uh, yeah, I think I think Gaston has been taking some some uh, PDs? pharmaceutical enhancements. He better not. He better not pee in a cup uh, when he's walking around like that. Okay, the the team most likely to make us go whoa 
in the upcoming weekend of the draft. Any team, any argument, anything. And don't hold us to any of this. We're just having some fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the team I'm going to throw out there right away is the Texans. Just because, I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do at number two right now. It could be quarterback. It could be defensive guy. And then, of course, whoever they don't take, they could address that at 12. They could go defensive guy at two, quarterback at 12, defensive guy at two, trade that pick at 12 and try to trade up a little bit to make sure they get a quarterback. I just, they're a team that it fascinates me right now. And I'm very interested to see where they go, especially with number two. And then to have pick 12 and pick, what, 33 to go on top of that uh, gives them some real leverage Thursday night. And I'll say the Seahawks, you know, it's rare to have a really good team make it into the top 10. And they're there because they're, they're carrying so, – what, what, what pick do they have? Oh, the Broncos pick. Yeah, duh. It's the Broncos pick that has them at number five. <laughs> right. And they seem to really enjoy it. They never sit this high. They haven't been this high since 1999 before – or no, 2009, before John Schneider and Pete Carroll were even there. And they're relishing it. I think whatever they do with that fifth overall pick is going to make us say, whoa, once we know what it is – we are going to be surprised and amazed by what Pete Carroll and John Schneider have decided to do. Definitely. I mean, they've never been scared. That's why I'm always – I love them. I mean, they're, they're not afraid to go against popular opinion or go with a guy that, you know, all the draft pundits didn't have as a first-round pick. You know, all, and let alone, like you said earlier, you know, in the first segment today, they're a team that likes to trade down. You know, so, so yeah, there, there, there's a lot of ways that could go. I'm interested to see what they do, too. I just still have a hard time, like I told you earlier, like I said last week. I think if Jalen Carter's on the board, that'll be the quickest pick of the draft. They will, it'll be literally like, okay, let's start the clock. And at 9.57, they'll be like, the pick's in. Uh, I, I have a hard time picking that, but we'll, we'll see. That's going to be fun. And we'll say, whoa. Yeah, if that happens, we'll right. say, whoa. Because they got the best player in the draft. Exactly. Whoa. Pete Carroll got the best player in the draft. Okay. Um, I, well, the Eagles are a team I'm looking for. For a woe factor. I mean, again, it's the Eagles, the damn best roster in football, and they got two first-round picks, so they got a lot of wiggle room. And when you have that type of roster, they can make picks that are like basically F you the rest of the league. We don't. We can just do whatever we want, best player available. So, yeah, trade, you know, off-the-radar type of pick, running back in the top ten. I mean, Howie's never been bashful. I wouldn't be shocked with anything with Howie. I wouldn't be shocked if Howie – you know, traded up from the top 10 to maybe try to get Jalen Carter if he was on the board at six. I wouldn't put anything past the Eagles. I think the Bills are going to make us say, whoa. whoa. I think it's so quiet right now, and the urgency is there. The urgency is there. They're feeling it. I believe it. They're not happy that people point it out, which makes me think they're feeling it even more than, than they want to admit. But they got to do something this year to get help around Josh Allen. And so what if we give up next year's first-round pick to move up? We may not be here next year to use the first-round pick if we don't make the team better right now. They're at 27. I could see them make a move up to snatch a guy, maybe a future number one receiver, and we will say, whoa. We're going to take a timeout. When we return, round three of our draft of the teams, it'll make us say, whoa, this weekend. PFT Live, back right after this. Oh, there's the Peter King mock draft. Peter, uh, Peters is up now. Chris's is coming later. I, I think we're going to do one on Tuesday. I, I have one that uh, uh, we will. We will, even though I take no ownership of it. I, I outsource it. All right, uh, we don't outsource our draft. Who else is going to make us say whoa this weekend? Well, uh, it's hard not to go with, like, a team, again, that's got two picks. So that's where I'm going to mess with the Lions again. And and I think what throws it into a little bit of the woe factor is that you know the Jamison Williamson uh, uh, Jamison Williams thing, right? With the gambling, I don't know. Does that throw wide receiver on the board for them at twenty or it's something like that? Only six like games, that? right? Only six. Games. I know, I know, it's only six, but uh, I just wonder. But either way, they got chips to play with, and and uh, it could be interesting. It really could. And that's that's where I'm just I'm interested to see who they take and if they make me maybe make some moves. 
And here's the question, even though it's only six, do they sour on him to some extent? Are they pissed at him? They cut the two guys who were suspended for a full year. Do they view him differently going I, forward? I, that's what I'm saying. how they right. view him. Right. And so that, that's, a, that's a possibility. Well, you know, I got to go with the Vikings at number three because I hear you. I feel like they're up to something. I feel like they're up to something. And we know that this is it for Kirk Cousins. They're going to come out of this with a quarterback, I think. If not, they're taking a hell of a risk into next year. But if they like one of these guys, maybe they trade up a little bit to get one, but they start grooming the guy who's going to take Kirk's place in 24, Chris. I, I would agree. They're certainly on my radar. you got an ex-quarterback as a head coach, and there's a quarterback issue. That's it for today. Enjoy See your Monday. See you back here tomorrow. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 